0: Are you a real estate investor looking to elevate your income, freedom, and lifestyle? If so, optimize your daily performance by downloading our free guide, Raising the Bar, Five Steps to Elevate Your Habits at elevatepod.com. In this guide created by yours truly, you'll learn why you do what you do, how to easily institute cues in your environment to trigger desired behavior, directly applicable steps to create a fulfilling future and much more. Get your free copy now at elevatepod.com and kickstart your new habits today. Your future self will thank you. Welcome to Elevate, the masterclass where we dissect
1: the elements of exceptional achievement and lifestyle design with a focus on personal
0: growth and real estate investing. Now, here's your host, Tyler Chesser. Elevate Nation, welcome back. This is Tyler Chesser. I'm so thankful to have you here, and I'm blessed and grateful to be sitting with the great, the inspiring, The incredible, really. I mean, I I know those are three uh, really crazy terms and maybe outlandish and maybe you think they're outlandish terms, but I'm here to tell you that it's going to live up to those descriptions. But I'm here with John Gordon today, the incredible John Gordon. What you're going to learn about today is the power of positivity. And if you're rolling your eyes, just wait, uh, because this is real. uh, This is tactful, this is practical. And uh, you're also going to learn about why your energy matters. You're also going to learn about the power of a vision, a mission, and a passion. You're going to learn about overcoming rejection, the power for overcoming rejection. You're also going to learn about how the Los Angeles Rams, by the way, the Super Bowl winning Los Angeles Rams, how they did it. How they've developed this championship culture, how they've developed, you know, this apparatus and this machine that is firing on all cylinders and how that can apply to your real estate business, to your family, to the way that you are performing. And this is such a great episode today. There's so many, I mean like every phrase, every, every part of this discussion was like, whoa, rewind, play again, play again, understand repetition. Because I mean, it's just, it's filled. There's, there's no wasted time in this episode. So I want to invite you to buckle up. Elevate Podcast is all about mindset, mind expansion, and personal development for high-performing real estate investors. I'm your host, Tyler Chesser, and I'm a professional real estate investor and high-performance coach. It is my job to decode the stories, habits, and multifaceted expertise of world-class investors and other experts to help you elevate your performance and lifestyle. Are you ready to take it to another level? It is time. Let's raise the bar today. And I want to invite you, if it's your first time listening, thank you so much for being here. If it's your 250-plus time listening Thank you so much for coming back, and I want to invite you to pay the fee. All you have to do is pay it forward, share the episode with a friend, grab the link, send it in a text message, an email, or post it on social media. That's all you have to do. It's really, really easy. The only way that we can continue to add massive value to you is if we earn the value of your introduction. Uh, If you've already introduced us in the past, thank you so much. We just ask that you do that once again for today's episode. I can tell you that today's episode is going to impact many 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 people and with your help we have the opportunity of adding that type of value this is a way that you can add that value as well because with you you know someone else may have the opportunity of changing their life they may have the opportunity of transforming their future and so i think that that's a very powerful opportunity and i want to invite you to pay that fee i also want to invite you to give us a rating review or subscribe or follow LV podcast on wherever it is that you listen or watch podcasts. Uh, ultimately, your ratings and reviews are very important to us. And we really appreciate it. It really takes you 10 to 15 seconds. So if you haven't done so already, please go ahead and give us a rating or review. Of course, subscribe. And with all that said, I want to dive in and introduce you to John Gordon who his best-selling books and talks have inspired readers and audiences around the world. His principles have been put it put to the test by numerous Fortune 500 companies, professional and college sports teams, school districts, hospitals and nonprofits. He is the author of 24 books, including 12 bestsellers and five children's books. His books include the timeless classic The Energy Bus, which has sold over two million copies. The Carpenter, which was a top five business book of the year training camp, the power of positive leadership, the pow- power of a positive team, the coffee bean, stay positive, and the garden. John and his tips have been featured on the Today Show, CNN, CNBC, the Golf Channel, Fox and & Friends, and in numerous magazines and newspapers. His clients include the, Lo- the Los Angeles Dodgers, Campbell Soup, Dell, Publix, Southwest Airlines, Miami Heat, the Los Angeles Rams. By the way, of course, you're going to hear all about The behind the scenes in terms of how he worked with Sean McVay, how Sean McVay instituted the culture of excellence, uh, the culture of champions, Snapchat, by the way, as well, you're going to hear a behind the scenes story about how uh, about how John uh, implemented some of his thought processes with Snapchat and um, how that helped them transform their business. He was also he also works with Truist Bank, Clemson football, by the way, multiple uh, national champion, Clemson football, Northwestern Mutual, West Point Academy and more. He is a graduate of Cornell University and holds a master's in teaching from Emory University. He and his training consulting company are passionate about developing positive leaders, organizations, and teams. And of course, we will invite you to connect with John on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, and YouTube, uh, because there's so much more to go deeper with John on uh, in addition to his book. So without further ado, please enjoy this life-changing conversation with the phenomenal John Gordon. John Gordon, what a pleasure and a privilege to welcome you to Elevate. How are you, my friend? I'm doing great, Tyler. Great to be with you. Thank you so much, man. Uh, I'm excited about our conversation, excited to dive into you, your journey, your story, but also uh, what you've been able to uncover because, man, you've uncovered a tremendous amount of wisdom as uh, anybody who's watching this podcast can see right behind you on the bookshelf. I mean, some collection of works that you've been able to put out in the world in terms of your books. So thank you for that, man. Thank you for spending time with me today.
1: No, nah, thank you. I, I love doing it. Years ago, I didn't know I was a writer. And I remember asking, What am I born to do? Why am I here? And writing and speaking came to me. It was at a crucial moment in my life, not knowing that years later, I would write 26 books, five children's books, and continue to write more and more. Ideas just keep on coming. I'm not worried about not writing books. I know that there's more to be written. And I know it's what I'm meant to do to share information, share ideas share principles, share concepts that will help people improve their lives, their careers, their families. So I love doing it and it's an honor to be with you.
0: So give me a sense of that moment in your life when you're asking that question. I wanna dive into the you know specifics of that. You know How did that look? Was that a journaling practice? Was that a question that persisted for a certain period of time? But where were you in your life at that moment as well?
1: I was about 31 years old and two small children. And my wife came up to me. And she said, I love you, but I'm not going to spend my life with someone who makes me so miserable. You need to change. You're making me miserable. You're blaming me all the time. You're just tough to be around. And I just can't do this for the rest of my life. And I was miserable. I was negative. I lost my job during the dot-com crash. So it was a really scary and tough time. Didn't know how to pay the bills, right? All the dreams I had when I was younger we're now being crushed by what I was going through. And it was a turning point in my life. When she gave me that ultimatum, I wanted to stay married. I loved her. I wanted to be with my kids. And I knew I didn't like who I had become. Like this young guy who, when I was in my early 20s, graduate of Cornell University, Moving to Atlanta with all the possibilities in the world, bartending, waiting tables, eventually owning my own bar at 24 years old, starting a nonprofit organization called the Phoenix Organization, raising money for youth-focused charities, rallying all these people to make a difference. I was in Atlanta Magazine as one of the top movers and shakers under 30, right, making a difference, making an impact, walking door to door to 7,000 houses, running for city council. Losing the election, thinking my life was over, but sometimes you have to lose a goal to find your destiny, going to law school for a year and a half, then quitting law school after a year and a half and joining this technology company, which was cutting edge technology during the wireless.com boom, and thinking I was going to make my fortune my gazillions because I was one of the first employees, and then to see that crash and everything spiraling down, to, to lose what I thought was what I had and my, and my future, that was a really tough time, but that was really the new beginning because it was in that moment when I said, okay, what am I born to do? Why am I so miserable? Why am I so unhappy? It didn't look like journaling. It looked like prayer. It looked like on my hands and knees in my Jerry Maguire moment, like God Mm. help me help you help me help you. And also show me the money because I'm literally almost bankrupt. So it was a really, Tough time, but also an amazing time when I looked back because I had nowhere else to turn and I had to go within. I had to look up. I had to find a greater power because I wasn't strong enough on my own. And it was during that time that I really truly believe I had a spiritual experience that said, this is what you're going to do for the rest of your life. And this is your calling. And I didn't know how it was going to happen. Didn't know what I was going to speak about initially. I just knew that I wanted to do this and encourage people. And then I realized I wanted to be more positive. So I started to research all the ways that I could be more positive. This was during the emerging field of positive psychology. So it was just beginning. So this is the forefront of that whole revolution. And I'm at the forefront of it, researching and reading all of these different studies and so forth. And I started a newsletter. I started sharing these positive tips out there with people. And I started doing this work and speaking on it. Gave 80 free talks, 80 free talks. (laughs) Anyone who would listen, sending out emails all the time. Hey, I'm John Gordon. I would love to speak to your team or organization. About 95% did not return my email. Probably 99% did not return my emails. But I would get one here, one there, but then friends would tell a friend and someone would say, hey, I'm having a meeting, will you come speak? It's 10 people, sure. Five people, yes. But then I wrote The Energy Bus in 2006. And that book would would really change my life because that was the book that got out there and put me on the map.
0: But it didn't change your life immediately from what I understand. From what I understand, there was a tremendous amount of rejection originally for that, which was it seemed like your breakthrough moment, but it took a long time to get there. Could you talk a little bit about that? Good point, because it
1: might look like oh, all of a sudden I wrote this book and had this amazing success right away. It was rejected by over 30 publishers. So I was told, no, 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 it's not going to happen. Even my agent said, give up. It's not going to happen, but I couldn't give up. I couldn't give up. I had my mission and vision, and it was this, to encourage and inspire millions of people one person at a time. I knew I wanted to make a difference. I really became someone who wanted to serve others and inspire others. Up until that point, it was all about me. It was self-focused. It was in a sense, not narcissism, but my own success and Mm -hmm. making money and being successful and being what I thought a man is and a husband is. And I made a decision that I was going to serve others. I was going to make a difference. I want to inspire, encourage, and make a difference one person at a time. So I would always be there for that one person, available for anyone who would need it. But I did want to reach millions of people. So it was like this big picture goal of impacting the world, but always making time for that one person. So rejection, rejection, rejection. Finally, John Wally and sons agreed to publish the book. Shannon Vargo is still there and she agreed to publish it. She was just an editor editor at the time. And her boss said, if it doesn't go well, it could be your career. But she had a best friend named George. I mean, her, sorry, her best friend's husband was named George. And the book was about a guy named George And she remembered seeing me on the Today Show because I got on the Today Show doing a series called Get Energized Today, which I did a few years before. And we thought my career was gonna take off from that Today Show, but it didn't. Like at first that had a, a boost, got me some speaking gigs, but then everything died down. And that was because I had to become a different person. I had to become the kind of person who was about serving others, about making a difference. And so I was being molded and shaped during that time, thinking, okay, I'm going to be the next Wayne Dyer, the next Deepak Chopra, speaking about mental, physical, emotional, and spiritual energy. But I truly believe God had other plans. Spiritually, I believe God wanted me to be in leadership and positive leadership, because that's where I moved towards. It wasn't about being this self-help person, although I incorporate a lot of principles that will help people. It was really about leadership and helping people lead themselves. It was about teamwork. It was about influence it was about the mental makeup as we talk about which would come later in terms of my work and really becoming an expert in that area. but if I would have went the initial path it wouldn't have worked out well for me and it wasn't what was meant for me. So all that crashed all that died but it's cool because Shannon remembered seeing me on that show years a be- few years before she sees this book it's now a business book, not a self-help book but a business book with some self-help aspects to it. And then from there said, I want to do this book. And so it, she agreed to do it. And now it was coming out six months later. I asked a friend, what should I do? And, and he said, pray. I prayed for it to be a bestseller. It came out, it was a bestseller in Korea. <laughs> and I learned you have to be specific with your prayers because it was literally a huge hit in South Korea. To this day, no one could explain what happened or why, but the foreign rights deal sold for $220,000. It was the largest foreign rights deal that Wiley has ever done. Most rights deals are like five to 10,000, not 220,000. You can't explain it. But not one bookstore in the United States would carry the book. So here I am, Eugene, South Korea, but but no one in the US knows who I am. And so I go on a 28-city tour paid for by myself. And you know, they get this new book, The Energy Bus. People are like, what's an energy bus? No one really knows. Who are you? No one knows who I am but I went from city to city and we had five people in one city, 10 people, in another 20, in another. And true story. The most people we had were hundred people in Des Moines, Iowa. Hmm. They, they thought Jeff Gordon was coming. That's why they showed up, <laughs> got back, didn't know what the future held, but I knew, okay, you got this vision, you got this purpose, live it and breathe it every day. Just do the work, get out there and share the message. And that's what I did it took five years for the energy bus to be a bestseller five years. But again, now I'm getting paid to speak, but but not a ton, but I'm getting paid and I'm getting out there and I'm sharing the message. Again, having no idea that the book would go on to sell probably three million copies now and still selling over a hundred thousand copies a year, every year, you know, making a difference, reaching more and more people, more popular now than it was back way back when. 15 years ago when it was was published i can't believe this book is 15 years old like i'm 51 now and i wrote it when i was 35 think about that that's amazing that's that's wild to me that this i'm so much wiser now than when i was 35 and yet the wisdom in that book shows you that it was beyond me i was receiving some some insight just like a painter receives you know the impulses and this idea in their head of what the painting should be and you know, when, when designers get ideas for art, you know, the architect of a building or a project, or it, they just say it comes with that singer says that the song just came to them and they wrote it on a napkin in that moment. Mm-hmm. Like where do these amazing kind of ideas come from? Like the collective energy field of consciousness, right? There's some kind of thing that we tap into, no doubt about it. It's like a download. The energy bus was like that for me. Like zzz, it just came to me. I wrote it in three and a half weeks of just pure inspiration and you look back and you know okay this was a book that was just meant to be out there and honestly i'm thankful that i get was the one that was chosen to write it i don't take credit for it i really know that i i humbly know that i was meant to write it to make a difference
0: it's so interesting it's it's almost what napoleon hill talked about in think you grow rich it's the you know infinite intelligence and um you know you, you talked about praying you talked about tapping into this higher power collective consciousness. And I just think that's so powerful. And it's something that we can all sort of lean back and say, you know what, it's not about us creating something. There's a there's a bigger picture, there's a bigger purpose. But the undercurrent and the parallel of your commitment, not only in you know, continuing through those false starts, um, continuing through those rejection experiences, but also the, the concepts of, you know, what you were sharing was the power of positivity. And, you know, talk to me about that. And why is that still, I mean, it's it's like you were, you were ahead of your time. You downloaded from this collective consciousness of something that maybe you couldn't even, uh, fully comprehend how powerful it was and how ahead of your time you were, but talk to me about that power of positivity. Thanks, Tyler. There really is a power of positivity. I think about the teachers before
1: me, right, who were sharing this message years before. So they were ahead of their time talking about the power of positive thinking, right? Norman Vincent Peale in The Power of Positive Thinking. And he would take talk about the energy and the vibrations of energy that go out there. And, you know, these ideas just came to me. And a lot of times I was sharing what was just flowing to me and, and through me to share. And you're right, I was ahead of my time. It's funny now, though. It's I'm out there talking about these things now, and people are like, Oh, yeah, I've heard that before. Yeah, you heard it before because I've been sharing for 15 years, and other people are now <laughs> all sharing it, you know. <laughs> so it's so far out there. If they never heard of me, they go, they don't know it initially came from me in terms of some of the principles and concepts that you know we popularized.
0: But knowing <laughs> is different than doing too, right? So to me, I had to learn and live what I
1: was writing about that tour was the example of living the principles I wrote about. Okay, you wrote this book on positivity. Now you got to live it and you got to become it. Because so often we write things, but we're not living those principles. We're not walking the walk. And I had to become someone who, who was naturally negative. Come on, I grew up in Long Island, New York in a Jewish Italian family, a lot of food, a lot of guilt. So there was <laughs> a, a lot of negativity I had to come, come uh, go through over the years and my dad was a New York City police officer. So undercover narcotics, and so wasn't very positive. And so I had to overcome a lot of that to be a more positive person and to tell a more positive story. So as I'm going through this journey, I'm walking the walk and actually living the journey that I wrote about with this guy, George, and what he had to face. So now was really a test. Are you going to really love these principles? Are you going to actually put them into practice? Is it real or is it just talk? And there is a power of positivity. It's not just a state of mind that makes you feel better. It's a state of action that makes others around you better. It's about knowing that you have to feed yourself every day in order to feed others. If you don't have it, you can share it. So it's about fueling yourself with that positivity each day and developing the resilience and grit that is able to overcome challenges and adversity. And I tell people all the time, there's a lot of stuff that is filled with fake positivity out there, a Pollyanna positive. This is not that. This is not Pollyanna positive. It's not about seeing the world through rose-colored glasses. It's knowing that you have the power to overcome the thorns. It's not about ignoring reality. It's about maintaining optimism, belief, and faith in order to create a better reality. And it's definitely not about sugarcoating the situation. Like, it's okay to say this is tough. Man, the past two years of the pandemic have been really hard and talking about it and being there for people, and knowing it's okay to not be okay. This is not about saying, hey, just suck it up. Oh, just be positive. Oh, you'll get through this. No, it's about knowing that we're not going to allow negativity to sour what we're going through. We're going to rise above. We're going to rise up. We're going to overcome. And it's about the mental structure and, and, and mental frameworks that allow us to do that. So where I rode generally in the energy bus, my work over the years has really been about coming up with and understanding new ways to help people become more positive so that it is real so they can overcome. But yeah, I love the, you know, the power of positivity is, is real. It makes a difference. And let me tell you something. I work with Clemson football. We saw the power of positivity with Dabo Sweeney and that team winning two national championships, Sean McVay. I was just with him two days ago, hanging out, talking about the season, talking about our work together. I started working with him when he just got the job with the Rams at a as a 30 year old head coach. His positive leadership, his positive leadership impacted that team. Worked with the Tampa Bay Lightning, helped them turn around their struggles a few years ago. Met with them the year they won the Stanley Cup during training camp, helped them have a new framework on how they would approach the season. They were defending their status. I gave them research that showed that teams that feel like they're defending something, do, don't do do very well. But teams that feel like they're attacking a new opportunity do great. And so they attacked a new opportunity instead of defending their status. Same thing with the Rams going forward. Hey, you're Super Bowl champs, but you can't be thinking about that. You're not defending that. You're attacking a new opportunity this season. Work with the LA Dodgers and Dave Roberts. When he took over as the head coach, started working with him so i've had the opportunity to work with incredible positive leaders to see that impact the impact it has and then i can you know go through a thousand companies on how i've worked with them and you know what you see over and over again it's not me it's not the book it's always the leader the leader that builds a culture that displays and demonstrates positive leadership and how they impact their team the relationships they develop and ultimately the teams that they build the grit that they have the resilience they have and then how they're able to rally their teams to move towards that vision, that purpose, that that goal, and providing clarity along the way so everyone knows what they need to do. So it's pretty cool because I can operate at the mental framework level. from As a mental coach, I can go there. I can go at the cultural level. I don't think very few people know culture like I do working with all these organizations. And then I can work at the leadership level, but then also at the frontline level because my background is in... restaurant business waiting tables bartending and i understand what that looks like on on how to be a frontline employee and thrive and lead from where you are so man i just love i love as you can tell i love doing this and i wake up every day passionate about doing this and things have tried to you know distract me in the past and and cause me to veer off a little bit temporarily but i always now come back to this and now after this last distraction of trying to do a positive cookie, I had this clear, clear thing after the cookie wasn't going well and recognizing that it would take 100% of my time to make it successful. And I really believe I could have made this positive cookie work, but I heard it loud and clear. I didn't create you to sell cookies. <laughs> <laughs> like you're here to develop leaders and encourage people. And it's about people, not cookies. And so I knew right then and there, got to move on.
0: Well, thank you for all that. And when I think of Sean McVay, I mean, I I wanted to actually kind of go a little bit deep there because I think about the Super Bowl winning, you know, LA Rams at this point, obviously at the pinnacle of the football world and what they've been able to accomplish has been tremendous. And it's, it's, there's no, uh, there's no doubt. I mean, it's the, if not the hardest championship to win, it's one of the hardest things to accomplish, uh, of course in the sports world. And, but it's applicable towards what a lot of the listeners are trying to do in their own life. It's accomplished big goals. It's, it's accomplished a big vision. It's, you know, set a mission and, find their passion and execute on that. You talked about the power of positivity. Obviously, that's an undercurrent. But give me a sense of what else a guy like Sean McVeigh does to set the path and execute in that capacity.
1: Well, a great example is in building the culture that he built. Any real estate company, any organization, you have to build your culture. You have to know what you stand for. And once you know what you stand for, every decision you make is easy, including hiring the right people. You got to invest in the root. I think so often we focus on the fruit of the tree, the numbers, the stock price, the outcome, the number of deals, the revenue, the wins and the losses. And we focus on the fruit and we ignore the root. What happens to the tree? It dies. But if you invest in the root, you're going to get a great supply of fruit. And let's face it, over the last number of years, anybody could have been successful in business or in real estate or in years past during the Great Recession, the mortgage business. But what happened? What happened then? And what happens, and what's happening now, is when you start to have some downturn in the economy. We start to have some economic issues. You start to see how important culture is. You see who continues to thrive, who's doing well, and then who has been focused on the fruit the whole time. Because the minute the fruit starts to dry up, then then everything dies, right? You then see the problem with the root because they never had the culture in the first place. They never had a strong foundation. They would just rise, they were riding the wave like everyone else. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important. So Sean, what he did was, and that's what we met mostly on when he first got the job, was to talk about culture. And we talked about the kind of culture he wanted to build. And he created a pyramid modeled after John Wooden's pyramid. And in the middle of that pyramid was we, not me. We, not me. He wanted to build a culture where the guys were selfless bringing superstars together that were about each other. And he said, when we got together the other day, he's like, John, did you see the love on that field from my guys in the mic'd up moments? I'm like, i watched it. And I couldn't believe how amazing it was. Like these guys really loved each other. You love them. It was so clear. He goes, ah, it was the best part about it. He truly wanted success for Matthew Stanford. He wanted success for for Aaron Donald. He wanted success for Cooper Cup. He wanted success for Jalen Ramsey. He wanted these guys to experience the success. And he was all about them, not himself. And it made him a great coach in those most difficult moments. And the team, they were all about each other. They wanted to win for each other. So that is what the culture was all about. So to see that culture now come alive. But it doesn't happen without him talking about the culture all the time, about making sure you get the right guys that are we, not me guys. Or when L- Odell Beckham Jr. comes to that team and he becomes a we, not me. I was watching the San Francisco 49er game. The Rams were playing them. This was during the playoffs and they're beating them. And on the sidelines, there's, there is Odell Beckham Jr. saying, we, not me, we, not me, wow. we, not me. A major clip. And I saw that clip and I said, that's it the culture was ingrained in him. And that's when you know you were successful in building a great culture when you're not even prompted to say it, but your team is actually saying what you've been saying all along as a leader. And now your team is speaking it, reinforcing it without your prompting. That's how you know you have a great culture. And when he joined that team, all the guys embraced him. They talked about it. And did you hear any problems, Tyler, about Odell Beckham Jr. with the Rams?
0: No, I didn't.
1: Any issues? Think about that. Was he even out in the media? No. What happened with the Browns and the Giants? He was talking, people were giving him a hard time. And I'm not sure a lot of those issues were really his, you know, fault. Partially, I'm sure there's always a mixture, right? How strong is the culture? Is the leader communicating with him? Does he feel like he's part of the process? Does he feel like he's heard, right? So in this case, Sean will have a lot of conversations with him. He'll engage him. As a leader, he's there for him. Sean is a social genius, not just an offensive genius, but a great leader, off-the-charts leader, and a social genius connecting one-on-one. So are the other leaders on the team. So he then became a part of that culture. So that's like a real living, breathing example of real life that you get to see on display for the world to see. That's why I love sports. I love working with sports because it allows me to talk to businesses because the same principles apply, but you just can't tell, hey, Joe and compliance is doing awesome and building a great culture, right? <laughs> but, you, but you you, get to see this firsthand and the world gets to see it take place with the ramps. And then to know behind the scenes what is happening is, is really the, the greatest position of all to see the culture come to life. And it all started years before, we, not me, and then Sean building it, talking about it, reinforcing it. And then them bringing in guys who actually fit that culture, and when you bring someone in who might be on the you know on the cusp between the line, maybe maybe not, the culture will drive that talent
0: towards greatness. Hey guys, just a quick word from our sponsor, then we'll be right back to the show. This episode of Elevate is brought to you by CF Capital, a national real estate investment firm founded by myself and my business partner, Brian Flaherty. CF Capital's mission is to provide property investment and asset management solutions to help investors like you maximize their returns by investing in high value multifamily communities. If you are looking for risk adjusted alternative investments in quality apartment communities are seeking tax optimized cash flow with appreciation upside without all the hassles of management, you might benefit from learning more about investing alongside our team. You're invited to reach out and learn more about how you can invest with us by visiting cfcapllc.com. We're also currently offering a free ebook called The Bottom Line, 10 Ways to Increase Cash Flow in an Apartment Complex. Whether you're a new or experienced investor, we're confident you'll find massive value in this resource. So go get your free copy today at cfcapllc.com. And now please enjoy the rest of the show. Hey guys, my friend Damian Lupo just informed me that Checkbook IRA have been made illegal by the U.S. tax court. That means if you have a checkbook IRA, your holdings are now disqualified. That means taxes and penalties of up to 50% or more. Don't panic. Damien and the EQRP company can fix this. Lucky for you, those IRAs can be converted into EQRPs. Plus, you can do this retroactive to the last year, getting tax deductions and reducing your taxable income from last year want to invest your 401k or ira in real estate bitcoin gold or even your own business you can whether you're a full-time investor retired a dentist with dozens of employees if you're listening you qualify the eqrp works and is your secret weapon and now it's retroactive They have your solution. By the way, if you got bad advice and use an IRA for an apartment syndication, you are sitting on a UBIT time bomb. But don't worry, there's a solution, the EQRP. The EQRP company is ready to help you get control of your money, kill UBIT, and help you pay way less taxes. Want to learn more about this strategy? Simply text the word elevate to 307-213-3475 for Damien's brand new 2022 EQRP special report. Paying tax or letting Wall Street suck you dry is dumb. Your first step is freeing your retirement money by sending a text to 307-213-3475 with the word elevate. I love it, man. And there's so many parallels, as you mentioned, there's so many parallels in terms of developing that culture within a team like that. And of course, within an organization, whether it's a small team, a large team, And, um, you know, when I think of this pyramid, it's almost like establishing truths or principles within the organization that's collective buy-in. When you think about we, not me, and you think about the pyramid like John Wooden created, and and I'm very familiar with that as well. And I thought that that was um, something that endured, obviously, 10 championships. I mean, nobody has ever done that before. And so when I think of developing a championship winning team, whether it's real estate related or otherwise, it's developing truths. It's 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 hiring, it's firing based on that. It's developing and strengthening uh, your team members. But I would also imagine you could go beyond that in terms of the truth development, uh, that culture, what that looks like, but also communication. Could you describe a bit of what that communication looks like on an ongoing basis in an organization, maybe like the Rams? Uh, because that's like the day-to-day implementation of that culture. Could you speak to that a little bit?
1: Well, let me just give you the Miami Heat, for example, Eric Spoelstra brought me in to work with his leadership team. And I'll never forget, he said, come work with us because we want to be a more connected leadership team so we can better serve our players. And we talked about the four C's, which are in the power of positive leadership and the power of a positive team. And it's about communication. It's about connection. It's about commitment. And it's about caring. And as a leadership team, if you're not connected at the top, you will crumble at the bottom. So you have to make sure your leadership team is really strong and connected. So he wanted me to work with them to help them become more connected and committed to each other and to communicate better. And then from there, they would better serve their players. Think about how cool that is. He was focused on serving his team, his players to be better servant leaders, but knew they need to be stronger at the top. So communication looks like You have to remember where there's avoiding communication, negativity will fill it. So you always have to make sure you're filling that void with great communication. And if you don't, issues start to arise. So most teams actually break down because of poor communication. Most relationships and marriages break down because of poor communication. So let's keep the communication going. Let's improve that. Let's improve our connection and be connected. That's where trust is earned. It's where the bond is developed. Let's focus on, on being more committed. And remember, you'll never have commitment without connection. So that's what you saw with the Rams. These guys were so connected that that drove the commitment. When the game is on the line, we're committed to each other. We're going to give a little bit more. We're going to have that grit that just doesn't give up. While other teams, if you're not connected, you're not going to be as committed. And in those crucial moments, you're not making that extra play that the Rams make. And it's that one extra play. It's that one extra ounce of energy. It's that one single moment that so often determines a championship. If Aaron Donald doesn't make that last play at the end, maybe they lose. But it was that one play that drives it. If Matthew Stafford doesn't make that play with Cooper Cup against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, maybe they don't win that game. It's always that one play. And it's the connection and commitment that brings you to that one very crucial moment that creates championships. And it's the culture that drives the communication, that drives the connection and commitment and caring that ultimately leads to the success. So you can see how all this Fits together when you do it the right way, and it's not a one-time thing. It's an everyday thing. It's an every moment thing. Culture is not just one person; it's everyone, and it's all those moments over five years. Ultimately, with Sean McVay and the Rams, that leads to a championship. It's the Miami Heat. All those moments that led to them playing for the NBA Finals a few years ago in the bubble, Mm -hmm. and you see these principles come to life. It's it's Nick Nurse. And the Toronto Raptors, the the year they won a championship, he put an elephant on his desk as a reminder that they were going to deal with the elephant in the room. They weren't going to allow issues to sabotage this team. And they were going to talk about them. And I know for a fact, and I can't say what they talked about, but I do know this. If they didn't have these difficult conversations that we often talk about in our trainings, and our our leadership work, and our team building work, if they didn't have those difficult conversations, they would not have won the championship that they won. So I always know all these little things that happen along the way that the public doesn't see, but mm-hmm. behind the scenes, you see how the culture, the leadership, and these principles ultimately drive it. And from a business case, really cool moment for me just the other day, I went to go work with Snapchat. They're now called Snap. And I was speaking to their 150 global leaders. And Evan Spiegel, the, the founder, brought me in. Well, he brought me in in 2017. He had read The Power of Positive Leadership, but it had just come out. And he brought me in to speak to his his leadership group, about seven people on his leadership team. And on my way there, I'm thinking, okay, these are some of the smartest people on the planet. They're very analytical. They're data-driven. I'm not really an analytical data-driven person. I called up Evan. Evan, you have some of the smartest people on the planet. What do you want me to talk about? Do you want me to share the the latest research and, and data in terms of optimism and belief and the competitive advantage that the research shows it gives you? do you want me to talk about the cost benefits analysis of positivity versus negativity? <laughs> he said, he said, John, Instagram is, is coming after our business. Wall Street is, is beating us down. The marketplace is, is destroying us right now. Our stock is at $4 a share. He said, just help us stay positive. <laughs> and when he said that, I said, okay, I got it. I share these principles we're talking about. They really embraced it. and. He came in before my talk the other day and said, wow, you came in at such a crucial time in our journey when we were $4 a share and we were really struggling and you really brought positive leadership to us. I had him on my podcast as well, Positive University. If anyone wants to hear about how positivity made a difference. But he said, you know, it really made a difference. And we had some people who rolled their eyes that were like, positivity, what the F is that? Like, come on, positivity, that's a bunch of you know what. He's like, (laughs) come on, that's like business positivity? He said, but those people left and we brought in new positive leaders. We brought in a lot of people who believed. And over the last number of years, you can actually track their growth and their success and see how, I think they have like 5,500 employees now. Many of them were hired during the pandemic. Their stock price is at $45 a share instead of four. Evan's net worth, if you Google him, is, is, is I think around $7 billion now compared to you know $1 billion. He didn't tell me this, but if you look online, that's what it is. I wish I would have asked for equity in the company when I came to smoke <laughs> years ago. But the greatest joy I have is to see someone like him and his team and his organization thrive based on these principles. And so to come back now to speak to their 150 global leaders, it was like a full circle moment. To see the power of positive leadership, and now I have an incredible business case, right? Not just a sports case, a business case. And here's the cool thing: I had connected him with Sean McVay years ago, and he's a Rams fan. And so here he sees the Rams win a Super Bowl; they're thriving. So it was like full circle—a business and a sports team, both that I got to work with to see them both ha- both having amazing success. Two incredible young positive leaders doing it the right way. Okay, this is not just a nice way to lead. This is the way to lead if you want to have great success. Now, I mean, Amazon is not known for their positive culture and positive leadership. So again, there's always outliers. There's always outliers. So I want to say this, Nick Saban is not known for his positive leadership. He can get away with it, but for most of us, most of us to lead that way, you know, the old way of of dictatorial leadership or command and control, no longer works. It really is about collaborative leadership, positive leadership, optimism and belief, building a great relationship, building a strong team, making sure the culture drives everything. That's what's going to lead to success.
0: Thank you for that. That is, that's so good. And and I love the reference points. Um, you know, this is not an isolated incident. Uh, more likely it, it, pays to be positive and to build that into the framework of your organization. So thank you. I think that's amazing. John, before we transition to the rapid fire section of the podcast, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about regret. And I'd love, to hear, I'd love to hear your advice that you might give yourself or maybe your younger self um, about living and working like you have nothing to lose. Could you give me a sense of what advice you might give to your younger self if you could look back maybe 20, 30 years or so?
1: So often we allow fear to keep us from the life that we want to live. So my biggest regrets were that I allowed fear to keep me from from being who I was meant to be. I allowed anxiety and fear and I suffered from depression and I looked outside to what others thought of me. And I was so worried about what people thought that I allowed that to affect me becoming who I could be. It took longer for me. At 51, I finally know who I am and I'm more convicted in my work than ever But even along the way with the energy bus along the way, I still didn't have confidence a lot of times along the way. Now I finally went for it at that age of 31, but it took me a while to do that. So my biggest regrets as an athlete, I played lacrosse at Cornell University. My biggest regrets as a a young 20 something was allowing this fear and the opinion of others to affect me and to define me. And here's what I know. You're not here on earth for others to define you. You're here for God to refine you to be who you're meant to be not what others say you are so don't let the opinion of others don't let praise go to your head and don't let critics in your head make sure you're just doing the work and showing up and doing what brings you life and, and being energized and it's not going to be perfect right I gave a lot of talks that weren't perfect. I did a lot of writings that weren't perfect. I made mistakes along the way I dropped the ball at different times especially as a dad, like one of my biggest regrets was not spending as much time with my son as I wish I did. And I wish I would have spent more time. But during COVID, he was home from college because of the quarantine and the isolation, struggling with his mental health. And I was able to spend this really quality time with him. And that's the other lesson. Like you can have regrets, but, but, but don't live in the past. Try to create your future and try to heal in the moment. And so we did a lot of healing, a lot of growing, and now we have the best relationship we've ever had. So it's never too late, but do I have the regret of how I was then? Yes. I regret not developing relationships as much as I should have. I became more relational the last two years during COVID than I have my entire life. I've done more things with friends and connections that I have. I just went to Las Vegas and saw the fights with Ed mylette our good friend, Paolo and Erwin McManus, who's a pastor in LA. We all went and had a, had a great and a bunch of other guys and Tony and like, I used to not do that ever. I was always too busy and focused on this. And, and now I really have developed relationships and seeing the importance of them for just health and enjoyment and 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 happiness. Like relationships do build happiness. And it actually makes for a more meaningful life. I was so driven that I didn't take time for relationships. And now I see the importance of that. Got together with college friends two or three times during the pandemic, going to Cape Cod. We went to uh, New York, Long Island, and Montauk. We went to one other place and just hanging out with my friends that I hadn't seen in years was so healing during the pandemic. So I saw the importance of relationships and I regret not making that a priority. But don't live with regret. Don't live with guilt and shame. So many people don't move forward because they're allowing guilt and shame to hold them back. And so what you have to do is let go of that guilt and that shame and let love and forgiveness heal you. I I say guilt and shame, they're like inflammation of the soul. You know, I think about the body. The body produces inflammation. And when you have inflammation, the body can't heal itself. You have to remove inflammation in order for the body to heal. Well, guess what? the soul is the same way. You have to let go and remove the inflammation of the soul, the guilt and shame so that love and forgiveness could heal you, restore you, redeem you. And so you can become who you're meant to be. And so I think that's an important message for people to understand. Don't live with that, move forward, heal and
0: create your future. John, I mean, can you just drop the mic right now, please? Uh, Because you are dropping massive wisdom. So I want to encourage the listener to re to everything you just shared. I'm going to do that three or four times. Uh, There's just so much there. But John, thank you. This is this is a phenomenal conversation. I want to transition into the rapid fire section of the podcast. We call it the rare air questionnaire. Instead of following the herd. And being the default mechanism of our environment and being negative, because guess what? Human beings, we have evolved by being negative. That's how we survive. But instead of that, we want to thrive and let's utilize this power of positivity. This is going against the herd. So we're going to be a bit uncommon. I have a few questions for you here. Um, Obviously, being a prolific author yourself, I would imagine you're a big reader as well. Is there any books, uh, if you you had to point to two or three of the most impactful books you've read over the past few years, what would those be?
1: Erwin McManus wrote The Genius of Jesus, just an incredible book. Again, you don't have to be religious to like it, you don't even have to be a Christian to like it, but just this genius of 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 someone who was able to transfer love, belief, optimism. The world keeps time based on his birth as a result of, of the genius he transferred to others. All of the geniuses aren't transferable, like Erwin talks about in the book. Einstein, you can't be smarter by reading about Einstein and following his methods. You will not be uh, more disciplined or a better basketball player if you follow LeBron James's basketball technique. But if, if you start to follow Jesus and the way he lived, it will change your life for the better because those principles are universal. And even people who don't like Christianity <laughs> still love Jesus and love what he stands for. So again, I'm not a religious person. I'm a spiritual person. And I think that's a, that book was incredible. John Ortberg. Soulkeeping was amazing. Uh, Donald Miller, Miller, A Million Miles and a Thousand Years, one of my favorite books of all time. Max Cato, Traveling Light is an all-time favorite. Early on in my career, or I would say as a younger person, Og Mandino and the Greatest Salesman had a huge impact on my life. Jonathan Living Siegel by Richard Bach. And also Illusions by Richard Bach were books that inspire me, encourage me, along the way, inspire me to write fables. So those are some, some people that have inspired me.
0: Thank you, man. You're you're rattling them off. I feel like if I would have given you a few more minutes, we may have gotten about a hundred books there. So thank you. Oh, for I that. can give you a lot
1: more, but yeah, those are, those are some good ones.
0: <laughs> yeah, we'll put links in the show notes as where the listeners can find those books. Thank you for those suggestions. In addition to the many best selling books that you've written as well, John, we'll put a link uh, where the listeners can find those uh, and go ahead and grab those immediately as well. But John, if you had to point to the biggest way that you elevate your life on a daily basis, what would you say about that? Thank you, walk every day. I take a walk of gratitude. Research shows you
1: can't be stressed and thankful at the same time. So if you're feeling grateful, you will not feel stress. So I do this walk of gratitude each day and it floods your your brain and body with these positive emotions that uplift you rather than the stress hormones that slowly drain and kill you. So think about it. Every day I'm doing this, I'm creating a fertile mind that is ready for great things to happen. And I literally rewired my brain from negative to positive over the years by doing this. And it's where all my ideas for the books that, I've written have come from 26 books now have come from these walks where the ideas just come.
0: I feel like the rewiring part of that is the most critical part because when we get knocked off, I'm sure you get knocked off on a daily basis, but the rewiring is what allows you to veer back in the direction of gratitude, positivity, um, love, instead of fear. Am I saying that correctly? It creates the neural
1: pathway that allows it to happen, but we must remember that the brain is the hardware. It's where activation happens. No one has ever found a thought inside of a brain. I will challenge any neuroscientist tell me where the thought is in the brain. Activation happens in the brain, right? Zzz, 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 zzz. We have these neurosynapses in our brain, but consciousness is the software, it's the internet cloud. And I don't know how it all works, but I have a good understanding and a framework for we have this internet software, this cloud of consciousness. And these thoughts and ideas are always coming into our brain and activating certain parts of our brain. We know that, that the fear part will activate in the amygdala. The love part will activate in the neocortex, right Right here. And I call it the positive dog part of the brain. So the thoughts are always coming in. But I do find the more you're intentional in focusing on the positive thoughts. And when the negative ones come in, either letting them pass through and don't give them any attention or energy, recognizing that there are lies that will tell you things about yourself and your future that just aren't true. And then speaking truth to the lies on a daily basis and words of encouragement, you start to change the way your mind works, your soul works, and ultimately the rewiring of your brain. And for me now, those negative thoughts still come in, but it's almost like the more I've done this, it's like I see them a lot less. And when they come in, I'm able to actually deal with them in a, in a very quick way that they no longer really have much power. So where I I used to wake up anxious and depressed and down wondering my, why my life was so bad. Now I wake up more excited, passionate and purposeful. Now, do I have days where I wake up and you know, it's not good. Uh, yes, but I also know it's just temporary because there is an ebb and flow to thought. And so negative thoughts are always coming in here. Here's a cool thing, Tyler. I always ask people, do your negative thoughts come from you? And people will say yes, but here's the next question. If you believe your negative thoughts come from you, who would ever choose to have a negative thought? You would never choose a negative thought that sabotaged you. So where's it coming from? When you're dreaming, having a nightmare, are you choosing those thoughts? No, they're coming in. When you're walking down the street or getting ready for a big meeting, meeting and that thought that comes in that says, ah, it's not gonna go well, could be your career, you might lose this deal. Those thoughts are not from you the thought that a professional athlete has that says you might lose your job, you're not playing well, not going to be a good game. You would never choose those thoughts. And those are not thoughts of, of evolution. You talked about our negative thoughts in terms of survival. There are negative thoughts that help us survive. Those are useful. These are thoughts from a more spiritual battle that attack you in the place of your identity. Hmm. So you have to understand how this battle is being waged in order to win the battle, and I wrote about that in the garden behind me. If you see that book, that green book, the garden is where I share how to win the battle of your mind, right? And it is a, it's a, it's a mental, physical, and spiritual battle. And once you understand how it all works together—neuroscience, the the spiritual aspect, the consciousness aspect—then you can win the battle. And that's my thinking and paradigm and framework has changed over the years. I've been sharing this a lot recently with a of professional athletes and leaders, and man, they're getting it. And I'm like, I'm sharing it actually with kids, teenagers, and it's been a game changer for kids who are struggling with fear, stress, and anxiety. So it's important to understand negative thoughts are not coming from you. Don't believe the lies that they tell. Keep on speaking truth to those lies every morning, every day. And I'm not talking about affirmations. I'm talking about speaking the truth. And as you do that on a daily basis over time, you will walk in a greater power for your life
0: john this is unbelievable this is so powerful this is life changing uh again and and i just really appreciate that what is the biggest way that you elevate others around you
1: Mm. you believe in them and you encourage them leadership is a transfer of belief so it's pretty simple you believe in people and you love them and because you love them here's the key they now feel free to fail to go after their dreams, knowing that they're loved no matter what. It's the greatest thing we can do as coaches. And the greatest thing we can do as a a parent is to let them know they are loved. Sports psychologists have people that do well, not because of the mental tips they give, although they help. I'm convinced that the greatest impact a sports psychologist will have or a mental coach will have is the fact that they love that person and a relationship is developed the player feels the love and now feels free to go out there and perform at their best. Of course, a tip here and tip there helps them, but it's pales in comparison to the love and belief that they feel and the relationship they have as a result of that.
0: John, I know Elevate Nation needs more John Gordon. Uh, so where can they find you? Where, they can en- where can they engage with you and learn more about you?
1: Hey, thanks for having me, Tyler. JohnGordon.com, J-O-N, Gordon.com, Twitter. Instagram at J-O-N Gordon 11. And yeah, we always love sharing tips and encourage people to read The Carpenter. I think that book will really help people go to the next level besides the garden. As I said, I think those are two books that will really encourage and inspire people. And I have a weekly positive tip that I've been sending out since 2002. And I write it every week since 2002. So it's 20 years now that people can sign up for. And um, started with five people, my mother, my brother, my best friend from college. And now we have quite a bit of people who get it every week.
0: John, I want to acknowledge you, uh, you know, due to your grit and determination and resilience and unwillingness to give up, you know, originally when we are talking about all that rejection, you've been able to live this passion and share that with so many people and make such a difference uh, in this world and really serve and live this amazing life. So I just want to acknowledge you. Uh, I want to, you know, show my appreciation, but is there any parting thoughts or words of wisdom that you'd like to share with Elevate Nation today?
1: I love what your audience does. I know most of them are, are real estate investors and my wife handles that for us. She loves real estate. I just like to write and speak and do what I do, but she loves looking at properties and loves investing and doing all that. We're starting to do some investing in triple net properties and commercial properties. Beautiful. Uh, you you obviously know about all that. So oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. So we're just getting into that now, and uh, we're looking at properties in Florida and Texas. That are the two main areas we want to invest in for obvious reasons and uh, no question, so much, and you know not just from a uh, shutdown standpoint want to make sure that we have places that will where tenants could actually pay their bills Mm -hmm. and so she is uh you know handling that for us so i want to just say i appreciate what everyone does and i know there are days that you wake up you don't feel very very good there are days you wonder hey why am i even doing this but in those moments just remember that even if you can impact one person in your day you're a difference maker you're a leader you influence others in a positive way. And that's what life is all about. Here's the deal. You may not wake up feeling very positive. That's why we need a purpose to give us something to be positive about. And there are days I don't feel very positive, but it's my purpose that drives me to make a greater difference. At the end of the day, right? At the end of our life, yeah, it's great to own real estate. It's great to, to have property and wealth, but we can't take it with us. So I always try to think of the end in mind, like, how do I want to live my life? What kind of difference do I want to make? What legacy do I want to leave? And the greatest thing you can build is people and relationships. So as you're building your business, as you're growing your wealth, as you're investing in properties, when you do it with people, you're actually going to enjoy life more, but also be more successful. So just remember the core of, of, of how you can do it. There's a way to do it that You can have both, right? You don't have to cutthroat people on your way to the top. You don't have to, you know, crush the competition. Do what you love, live with that purpose and more positivity
0: will flow from your life and greater relationships. John Gordon, ladies and gentlemen, if I could jump out of my chair right now and scream (laughs) from the mountaintops about this, I would. Uh, But man, I just really, really enjoyed this. John, until next time, my friend, thanks again for being on Elevate.
1: Hey, thanks, Tyler. I appreciate it, and can't wait to share this with others as well. It was it was a fun conversation with you, and you definitely brought out the best. I appreciate that.
0: Thank you so much, my friend. Until next time, talk to you soon. Elevate Nation. John Gordon just brought massive heat, and I gotta say, I was you know tempted to every sort of different section of that discussion. I wanted to say, wow, that was the most amazing thing I've ever heard in my entire life. Uh, But he kept outperforming himself. And, you know, it's not really just about performance. It's about truth. And I think what John has shared with us today is so deeply true. Um, And, you know, I just I find it to be so powerful uh, in a way of living, uh, a way of being, a way of interacting, a way of adding value, of serving, of giving. And, you know, to me, it's ultimately this is the abundance mentality when we have, and we when we utilize the power of positivity and when we recognize that our energy matters and that belief and optimism more likely than not will put us in position to succeed and to live a life of purpose that can change everything and you know i think obviously it can help us achieve more in real estate it can help us grow our portfolio build our empire But it can also help us live this life of impact, uh, live a life of meaning and look back and say, you know what? I don't have regrets. I don't regret not investing in relationships or spending time with people that are important to me or doing the things that I'm called to do that are deeply true to me. And I feel like this conversation is a life changing conversation. I really do. Um, I don't really say that too much. Uh, I really, really believe that on this one. I think that um, this is one that I will re-listen to uh, many times, and I would invite you to do the same. I would invite you to re-listen to this show, you know, maybe it's once, maybe it's twice, um, but I want to invite you to really embody this and take some time to really understand this. If you need to pause, if you need to think, if you need to take a walk um, and consider You know, what John is sharing with us today, I mean, he truly is a conduit from, um, I definitely feel a higher power. Um, You know, there's so much infinite intelligence that he is emanating. And it's not because he's better than anyone else. It's not because, you know, he's just this ultra human being. Like we all have the ability to tap into this higher power. And, you know, he, he really showed us the example of that today. But there's just so much deep truth and wisdom in what he shared with us. Um, So I want to encourage you to share this with a friend and have a discussion with someone else. What was it that you feel uh, was surprising or something that came up for you that is becoming something that's apparent that you need to make a shift in uh, or you can make a commitment towards? Um, How can you apply the power of positivity? How can you get clear on the culture that you're developing within your organization or within the circle of friends that you interact with or, you know, your business partners or whatever, your family? I mean, I think about culture of a family. I think that's important. What is it that you want to take action on? I want to I want you to identify, I want to invite you to identify your top one, two or three takeaways from this episode And make a commitment to taking action on those, whether it's making a shift in your behavior, um, looking something up and learning more about something. Maybe it's reading a book that he shared. Maybe it's reading a book that that John wrote. Um, I think about how our mind can open up so many new possibilities. And what we've done today is we've planted seeds. And so now we've got to water those seeds and the, the watering comes through taking massive action. So really, we don't get any power just by information. Uh, We need to take that information to insight and then to action. So that's what I'm inviting you to do now. Until next time, Elevate Nation, thank you so much for tuning in, and we will see you next time. Thank you for listening to Elevate. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to rate, review, subscribe, and pay it forward by sharing with a friend. Most importantly, take this opportunity to elevate your results by taking immediate action on what you learned. For more, visit elevatepod.com.